Warning, this episode may contain explicit material, namely Owen talking about ejaculate filling a bathing area. You have been warned. Thank you. Nice one. Well, do. Lovely stuff. Although it was Steve. this week's failed critics podcast i'm steve norman i'm joined by the same duo as last week owen hughes hello and paul field evening fellas as we take a smash at the last week or so in film involving reviews of midnight special and hardcore henry which i believe was interesting to say the least well yeah we will of course review it a bit later because paul and i have both seen hardcore henry but um, Brooker, who's not on the podcast today, he um, reviewed it for the website. I think he's got quite a contrary point of view on Hardcore Henry. Quite a controversial one, actually, given the the sort of spew of comments that were thrown at him from. Well, not not our listeners, not our readers, but he posted the review on a games board or a forum or group or something and got a lot of stick for it we shall mm. slag off brooker more later no i'm not slagging off brooker brooker's got every right to say what he wants about the film i just think that people getting offended and getting in a tizzy about someone else's opinion of a film are kind of pathetic so i just yeah, can, wanted to can, stand up for brooker we can talk about that later especially if you've got some some highlights you know some some of your favorite comments have been posted like we did about your article the other week <laughs> No, I haven't, because, like I say, they weren't our readers. They weren't our listeners to the podcast. They might, from... they, they might be now, though. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon... Did anyone call him a twat? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I just think... You should have brought them on and read them out. That would have been... <laughs> yeah. He's a big lad. He's a big boy. He can look after himself. That would He would have loved that. Mm-hmm. You've got time. Yeah, so, Do you have um, yeah. the Google thing? I have um, access to the Googles. Yeah, you can well, Google if you use the thing. Googles, you can, yeah, you can probably find people calling a twat on the internet. <laughs> you can find three of them calling them here right now. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Brooker. Yeah, you're not really. You're, you're a lovely man. Uh, <laughs> that didn't even sound like the slightest sincere, then. Really it really did, Steve. <laughs> I've got that Star Wars lightsaber keyring in front of me that he sent me. You know, that's how much yeah. I think of it. We did we did have some positive comments about his review, by the way. I will just point that out. Matt Lamborn loved it. You know, he read Brooker's review and said it was as funny and, you know, entertaining as his reviews always are. So it's clearly not our normal regular listeners who have been offended by by that review. I'm not sure I'm not sure if Matt Lamborn should be a barometer of success. I think he has well overtaken us in popularity for podcasts. Like, yeah, lots, sailed lots. past us. He's a virtual celebrity. Well, so I think about now. Well, yeah, I, I do listen to his Ultimate Team podcast from from now and again. Hey, yeah, it's good. Anyway, should we do our podcast now? Yeah, let's do ours. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Um, we're going to start with a quiz. 
where it is now um, nil-nil as Owen won last week and maybe watch fucking Norbit. <laughs> fucking Norbit, yeah. Which hey, is hey, what's fucking Norbit? Which is Eddie Murphy playing about 17 roles like he does in films now. And I don't really understand like who this film is aimed at because in it he's, he's a guy whose girlfriend um, or wife is probably later happens is he's a right arsehole to him um and bullies him and then there's something about his his foster dad's chinese restaurant or something going to be closed down by <laughs> her her his wife's brothers who are right nasty people but like it's like a lot of these films now where he plays like loads of different characters like he does films like aimed at like families and that. This one is isn't because it's like prostitutes and and brothels and that in it and strippers. But it's just, but it's like just really bad. It's like re- it's just like who's gonna watch? Who would actually want to watch it? Like, Not I, even Eddie Murphy, I presume. I can't even think. I can't think where the idea came from. Why it got commissioned? If you know, if the it's just terrible. There's no redeeming features to it at all. It's, it's, it's just a complete... No laughs? Didn't laugh at all at no, anything? No, complete, a complete exercise in futility, that film. Mm. Just just absolute waste of everybody's time involved and everybody who's ever watched it. Just. Do you know it was, a, a, um, it was nominated for an Academy Award? It was, yes, for Best Makeup. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how much makeup you slapped on them. It's still going to be Eddie Murphy. So I, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I yeah. just don't know why he makes these films when he is he it or was what the, just one of the best comic actors ever, arguably, and he's doing this. Shall I tell you why he makes these films? Money, money. absolutely money. 60 Mel- million budget. 60 million budget, let's just say that, for this film. And it made 160 million. He makes them because Scary Spice robbed him of everything. <laughs> hmm. I so, was he topping Scary Spice? Like that? He's got kids with Scary Spice and everything. What? I saw, yeah. I'm so out, so far out of the loop. Yeah. My, my world's yeah. just... I'm crushed by this news. So, if you, if you want to <laughs> put the fame... If you want to put the blame of Eddie Murphy's last 15 years, or 10 years, say, because he's quite good as Donkey and Shrek, I suppose. So if you want to put the last decade of Eddie Murphy, uh, at the, the blame of that anyone's door, it's the Spice Girls. Well, she, she I crush him. She's a, without, she's a fucking unit, that girl. Without the Spice Girls, Norbit doesn't happen. It's a bit like when you track back the Kardashians to OJ Simpson you think well and then it's somebody I think I read this once that if a certain person hadn't have made a certain pass then their team wouldn't have won the championship which means OJ Simpson wouldn't have been in this position which means he wouldn't have needed Rob Kardashian as a lawyer which means the Kardashians would never have been as famous as what they are and Kim Kardashian wouldn't be what she is now and it's kind of like that butterfly effect thing that if it wasn't for the Spice Girls being formed Eddie Murphy wouldn't be making shit films yeah, and if his mum had a dick, she wouldn't have given birth to him. I mean, it's just like, we're in danger of kind of getting a little bit um, <clears throat> misogynistic and blaming Eddie Murphy's downfall on one particular person, yeah. which well, is that, unfair. That unit out of the Spice Girls. Uh, 
To be fair, yeah. they're all chubbed up a bit. That baby spice, she's she's chubbed up a treat. She she looks like that bird from Birds of a Feather now. <laughs> uh, come on, you've you've chubbed up a bit. You're nearly fifty, and you, you're getting there. Hey, hey, I I don't deny it. No one's perfect, Paul. Didn't and it? yet, Paul still wears his hot pants and dances around I in a do. Union Jack flag and <laughs> yeah. has musicals written about him. Yeah, eight kids. He's got Eddie Murphy. Which is here. Jesus Christ! He must, have, he must have his family allowance book in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> That's uh, a anyway. 70s joke that only there's probably there's not gonna be many listeners who get that. Topical reference for the kids there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Family allowance book. Oh yeah. god. Go on, crack <laughs> on. You are really old, Paul. Come on, do the quiz. <laughs> right. Okay, well in honour of um the main review this week being Hardcore Henry, mm-hmm. I've done a quiz oh, on god. hardcore <laughs> parodies of mainstream films. <laughs> Now, it's pretty much a given that Steve's going to win this because I know he's seen mm, probably most of it. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? You, what, what you're going to do yeah. is I, I'm, going to give, I'm going to give you three films. Two of them are real DVDs that you can buy. One of them is something I've made up or looked up on the internet because it sounded funny. You ready? Mm. Inspect Her Gadget. <laughs> the Da Vinci yeah. Load. Or Schindler's Fist. Oh. You kind of think the last one is so ridiculous. It probably exists. But by the same token, it could be a double bluff. Oh, dear. I'm going to go for Da Vinci Load. I'd also like to have gone for... Hang on, are we doing the one that's fake or the one that's real? No, the one that's fake. Two of them are... Yeah, Schindler's right. Fist is fake. Yeah, Schindler's oh, Fist is the fake. Hang one. on, hang on. He locked his arm <laughs> in. I would lock his arm in there. I will allow him to change due to the confusion. So, three titles. One of them is fake. You've got to spot the fake. Well, I'm, I'm going. Um, I'm also going to go for Schindler's Fist if I'm allowed to, because as much as the the title is clever, you cannot do a Holocaust-related porn parody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We'll move on to the next one. Gash of the Titans. <laughs> so I'm going to lose it in a minute. Titty, titty, gang, bang. Night of <laughs> That's the Gift. That's got to be real. <laughs> Night of the... Right, see, I reckon it's got to be Gash of the Titans, purely because I think the UK is probably the only place where gash is used for vagina. <laughs> and I don't think... British born. And I and I don't th- and I think that obviously if it's gonna it's gonna be like some costumes and sets involved in this. It's probably gonna be a, a decent sized budget for that kind of film. Um, yeah, but I think, think of that... Titans. How many puns could you get away with as Titans in a porn parody? Mm. But I, mm. I just I just think it's that one for for the for the reason that Gash is not used as a slang for vag anywhere else in the world. Um, I think it's. Titty titty gangbang. I think that sounds more like something Paul would make up, to be honest. <laughs> it's just got Paul written all over it. Okay. Right, the next one. Lawrence of Alabia. Like <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Pork. <laughs> or oh God, I'm not gonna lose Hoary Potter and the Sorcerer's Balls. <laughs> 
And you've made up two of those. <laughs> no, uh, no, I've only made up one of them. <coughs> so Lawrence of Alabia, Jurassic Pork, Hoary Potter and the Sorcerer's Bulls. So I think I think it's Harry Potter because I'm sure it's Sorcerer's Bone. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely seen that. Steve has definitely got that somewhere on DVD. Um, I will say Jurassic Pork. Okay. Okay, the next one. We've got the Texas Dildo Masquerade. Gaze of Thunder or Womb Raider? Womb Raider. Okay. Owen? What was the what was the, the second one again? Gaze of Thunder. Gaze of Thunder. I mean Days of Thunder. Yeah, I kind of that that's gotta be a fake. Thanks for clarifying that, Paul, what what film that was based on. Well, you know yeah, cheers. <laughs> Okay. Th- these might be my favourites actually. Muffy the Vampire Layer. <laughs> the human sexypede or two fists too furious <laughs> yeah two fists too furious is fake you wouldn't laugh that hard at something you'd made up that's got to be real um oh man or is that a double no i'll go for that as well Okay. Too fist, too furious. Just because it's probably, it probably is made up. Last one. Raiders of the Lost Arse. Reservoir dogging. Honey, I blew everybody. I, uh, it's got to be reservoir dogging. I don't yeah. think dog, I don't think dogging's a thing anywhere else, in England, or Britain. Like <laughs> like gash, I think it's it's it's. Of, you know, it wouldn't translate well to the foreign market if it. Well, I, no, it's reservoir dogging. It's fake. What was the? What was the first one? Raiders of the Lost Ars. Yeah, that's real. That's <laughs> fake. Oh, how is Ars spelt? A R S E. Yeah, think. that's the fake one. That's okay. the fake one. Okay, Owen. Okay, let's get you some uh, some answers, and I have got. Some synopsis of some of the <laughs> titles. Okay. Have you got a tiebreaker? So, <laughs> could we need it? I do, because there are six questions, so there could be a tiebreaker. Inspect Her Gadget is, in fact, uh, a real film. Uh, it's a DVD which is available on uh, a label called Tranny Factory. And <laughs> all the description says is surprise, I have a XX Extra Hard Tool Baby. Um, the Da Vinci Load, wow. of course, is a real title, but you both get a point because Sh- uh, Schindler's Fist is, in fact, fake. Yes, yeah, Steve's logic on that one was sound, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, not even okay. porn goes to the Holocaust. A point so. for Owen and a point for Steve. Okay, Night of the Giving Head, that is a real title. Steve's logic, again, was correct. Um, titty Titty Gangbang. Uh, is real, Owen, I'm afraid. Is it? Uh, yeah, and the the uh, the DVD says, tits bouncing, arse pounding, wham bam, big boob gang bang. Um, Gash of the Titans, though, is completely made up, so that is a point for Steve. Who thought that Logic would be getting points in it in this quiz? <laughs> yep. 
Okay, let's do this one. So, Steve, your logic, I think, has failed you in this one because... Um, Oh, no, Steve, no, you're right. Sorry, I've got here. No, 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 hang on. You went for <laughs> Hori Potter and the Sorcerer's Ball, Steve. Yeah. Yeah? And you thought it was Hori Potter and the Sorcerer's Bone? Bone. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no. Hori Potter and the Sorcerer's Balls is, in fact, a real film. And it's one of the most anticipated movies of the year, according to the synopsis, where um, the first ever 3D gay porn feature film that was shot in Budapest, Stockholm, London, New York, and Fire Island, where Luke Markham plays Hori Potter, a young hero who must find the sorcerer's balls before they get into the hands of Voldemort. <laughs> oh, I do love porn puns. Unfortunately, Owen, Jurassic Pork is also a real film. Oh. And the, the duffer there was Lawrence of Alabia. So n- that's no points for Steve and no points for Owen. Too high, bro. I know. I did think that Steve would probably win this one, but let's move on to the next one. So I've got all these screens open with the synopsis. So, Steve, Womb Raider, you can buy that on Amazon, mate. That's definitely (laughs) a real film. Even I've heard of that one. Yeah. The Texas Dildo Masquerade is also a, a real film. Um, the description here says a sexual parody of famous campy horror movies, which is great. But then it goes on to say, loaded with bizarre sex stuff, anal sex and cum baths. Like, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> that's, but, that's a lot of cum. It is. But to Owen, fi- you to fill a, a point. bath, if you think, if you think, <laughs> if you think of the size of bath, <laughs> think of your standard bath. Oh, right. Think of, the standard, think of the standard amount. That comes out when you cheers. Yeah, okay. Right. How how much? How many times are you gonna to have to do it to fill up a bath? Like we're talking a, a month, I reckon. If you're doing it once a day, not even once a day, it's gonna be more than a month, isn't it? One it person. Must be one person. To work this out. Yeah, I'm. Hmm. I think oh. there might be one chap involved in that. I could do, you know. No, but if there I... was, if you're doing it once a day. Yeah. One person, how long will it take to fill up a bar? That should be next week's quiz. <laughs> it should be. Oh uh, just, just on um, on Womb Raider, well, on the yeah. uh, on the description, it says this unrated uh, DVD from 2003 stars Antoinette Abbott, Lauren Hayes, Annie Body, and more actresses and actors. <laughs> it's like wow. the weirdest just description more. I've ever heard. Just more, just more actresses and actors. Okay, next one. God. Right, so we've got the average amount of semen expelled by a healthy man in one ejaculation is about a teaspoon, three to five cubic centimetres. So now we just need to find a capacity of a bath. The average is bath. An average bath in what we're looking at, cubic centimetres. I don't yep. think they come in that size, do they? You should, have really, you should have really got the jizz in millimetres, millilitres. Uh, I just googled how much cum does a man produce. <laughs> the average amount of semen is three point three to five cubic centimeters. What's what's that in milliliters? That's quite a lot, isn't it? Blimey! That's not a shot glass, is it? One point five milliliters. Oh, there you go. And a bath is. Oh, but Owen, 
If yeah. you get her to pop a finger up, you get an extra teaspoonful. Oh right. Well, this, is on the, this is on. This is on assist, <laughs> this is on assisted because, assuming for the film, assuming for the film, it has to be ready when the, when the characters roll. So this is this is no assistance. This is this is just stage management at the moment. So you've got uh, three to five cubic centimeters. It's about one point five milliliters. Could be six milliliters produced. Uh, the average bath is eighty liters. 80 litres. So you're looking at 200,000, what would it, rounds of jizz, tots of jizz, squizzes. Yeah. 200,000 wanks. I reckon. Or a decent weekend round at Steve's. (laughs) I'm I'm not not even 30 yet, so I reckon I could do four a day most of the week. I don't know how long it'd take me to fill out that bath. Have well, you, you got, got a like evaporation and, you know... Oh, I can't use my what? imagination anymore. Porn's ruined my imagination. It's I said evaporation, not ima- uh, imagination. Oh, I see. You've got broadband oh, imagine, now. If that, if that evaporated, imagine what your your air in your bathroom would be like. Oh. And I, I'm the wrong one. Just this is... Anyway. anyway. Wiki anyway. Shuffle. You <laughs> thought you thought you did random stuff on your podcast. Jesus. Yeah. Two hundred thousand wanks. That's this episode's title, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the next one, you guys were yeah, you, you got me on this one because Muffy the Vampire Layer and the Human Sexy Pede are of course real DVDs. Two fists, two furious. Sadly not. So you both get a point. It's poised because you can't be a draw because you've both gone for different answers here. Honey, I Blew Everybody is indeed a, a real title. Uh, Tiffany, who apparently is a, a wild and naughty minx, um, who's boy crazy. Uh, she loves them all, the bigger the better, all, say, all sizes and shapes. Long ones, short ones, and Steve, even fat ones. She's out of control well, and go. falls to her knees at the drop of a hat or a zipper gulp. So, yeah. There was another title, uh-huh. and Catherine advised me not to put it in the quiz. And it was, <laughs> honey, I fucked the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not one you want to Google, to be no. honest. <laughs> Just putting it out there. It was on a list on the internet of all these parody titles. I saw it and thought, that what? <laughs> anyway. That's poor marketing from whoever came up with that. Yeah. No one wants that SEO. Raiders of the Lost Arse. That's a real film, Owen. It's a porn oh. film. So, Reservoir Dogging. Steve, you nailed it. Of course, they haven't got a clue what dogging is in the States, and it's not a real title. Steve, you won the quiz. Of course I did. Yeah, well done. No, <laughs> so, no diggity. Do you want to hear the tiebreaker? No. Yeah, yeah, go on then. What percentage of websites on the internet are pornographic? Um, I don't think it's actually going to be as high as what people... Th- I... Mm, 20%? I, I think that's quite high. Estimate. I think it's, in fact, only going to be about 5%. Okay, so we'll say 20% for Owen, 5% for Steve. I think I think it's probably high. I'm sure I've read before it's 1 in 9. I don't know why that fact came into my head. 1 in 9... But I'll go with five percent. I'll go with five percent. You are closest, but your one in nine was near. It's actually twelve percent. So Steve, you're oh. closest by one. 
So I'm sure I read one in nine somewhere. Yeah, but twelve percent ain't far off one in nine, is it? Yeah, yeah. Not as much as what you think, is it? Hmm. I, I only still quite a lot. I just want to, you know. Yeah, that's a, a huge amount. Have you got well, the actual figures for how many websites that is? No, I, I, I was looking on a site which had all these weird facts and figures and trivia, and some of them were really funny, but I didn't want to get too bogged down in that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, you just wanted to spend more time working out how many times you'd have to wait to fill up a bathtub. Yeah, and how many had, sitting there trying to think up names of porn movies that hadn't already been made. And the <laughs> amount of times I type stuff into Google only to go, oh, they've made that already. Have you deleted your search history yet? Are you not familiar with private browsing? <laughs> yeah, what <Incom> was your... <laughs> Incognito browsing. There was that advert when that came out, wasn't there? And it was like this bloke, it's just like this, um, not quite middle-aged, this, this bloke, and he'd like, in the advert, it was about him buying presents for his missus on an incognito browsing so she couldn't see what he'd been trying to buy her. And when she came back in, and he just sort of said something like a really cheeky point, oh, hello, darling. I think, yeah, that's really getting it not shopping. That's getting it. He's been doing something else. This is trying to sell this to blokes. Yeah. I think whoever loses this round of quiz should watch one of the titles that we've discussed tonight. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. It, you, it, this it, is it, not the first time that you or Matt or someone has tried to get us to review porn films on Val Critics. It's not happening, Paul. I'd like, like to hear Steve's, like Steve's views on Jurassic Pork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, surely, a man, surely Emmanuel has to be legitimate for a review. James has reviewed Emmanuel on here before. Did he? Yeah. Bastard. We did. Uh, George Lazenby was in one, I think. Oh, that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah, it was ages ago, wasn't it? It was back in 2012 when Skyfall was coming out. We did a Bond special. If anyone wants to go and check it out, yes, <laughs> James's review of. Uh, Erotic drama. I don't know what you'd call it. Tit flick. Yeah, it's no honey. I blew everybody. No, no. There's a lot of Emmanuel films, isn't there? There's a Carry On one. Carry On Emmanuel. Mm. Is there? Yeah. Is that part? Is that part of the Emmanuel canon, though? <laughs> Not sure. Anyway, I think we might have spent long enough on this subject. <laughs> um, We've been going what twenty minutes, and we haven't actually talked about a proper film yet. No. We talked about porn. It was quite that's funny, mostly that's we did Norbit. We did Norbit. Yeah, that's, that's not okay. a, that's not a proper film. <laughs> some 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 of the porn films have probably got better acting. <laughs> uh, that makes me sad because I really like Terry Crews as well, and he's uh he's in Norbit, isn't he? Yes, he is. Mm. Poor Terry Crews. Yeah, poor Tezza. I bet he's mm. never been called Tezza. <laughs> it doesn't answer these as the kind of person who. He's never been called Tell, has he? He's a he's a proper Terry, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's nothing just... shorter than that. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on to the news and uh, some some big news around franchises um, this week, mostly trailer related. The biggest one, uh, unless you're Owen and you hate fun, is that the <laughs> the trailer, the first teaser trailer for the first spin-off um, or Star Wars universe, as we're meant to be calling them, I think film Rogue One has been released and Paul, as Star Wars fans looks bloody brilliant, doesn't it? Oh mate, I just, I loved it it was just, just so much going on, it was so frenetic, it was just everything I wanted to see from, so, a, from I mean, a Star Wars film 
for anyone who's who's not familiar with the concept behind this film, is that other than the the um, nine films in the saga, so uh, seven that came out, Force Awakens in December, plus eight and nine are going to be coming out uh, over the next few years. They're also doing some standalone films that do tie into the over, overall Star Wars uh, mythos, but are kind of standalone and not directly related. This one, Rogue One, is about the mission to steal the plans for the first Death Star um, and stars. It's Felicity Jones, isn't it, among others. She's the main the main lead. Yeah, no, she is. I, I, as soon as I saw Mon Mothma, that was it. I was in. I, I, I didn't care. I just I just think the whole thing, it just looked amazing. You had the money shot with the at-ats and stuff. Oh, my, I was I was all over it. And well, thankfully, Star I was already... Good and, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it looks... It looks impressive. Um, and they've dipped there's... into that well backwards, and I think there's going to be a few, you know, there's going to be a few surprises, going to be a few characters pop up from, from the original trilogy, and that's going to be awesome. Am I allowed to talk about this trailer, by the yeah. way? Because I was, of course, kicked off the Star Wars podcast. So I don't know whether I'm allowed to even talk about Star Wars when you two are, are together. Of course. Is it allowed? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. I wasn't that excited about it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be, though, would you? Yeah. But I did like um, Force Awakens. I thought Force Awakens was a, a good um, adventure, sci-fi, fantasy retread of the originals. But, um, yeah, this one, I don't know, just looks a bit un- excited. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm not getting the references or, or caring about them. There's not really any. There's not really many references in there, is there? It's just kind of... Right, this is Star Wars. They're going to get plans for the Death Star. Mm. It's already people are trying to make assumptions that Felicity Jones' character is going to be raised mother and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's it's a big universe. You can't have everyone related. It'd be ridiculous. Mm. I'm sure there will be a couple of characters pop up. I mean, we've already seen in the trailer that Mon Mothma will be in it as kind of a, a, a leader of the rebels, which he was in the originals anyway. Um, Didn't um, Akbar die this week or last week? The guy who voiced him did, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I um, saw that. I think they've also um, have they cast Darth Vader, or are they are they casting for him right now as well? They've not they've not said anything as far as I know about Darth Vader appearing in it. Mm. I do believe they are going to be um, putting some kind of, of CGI version of Peter Cushing in it as, as Moff Tarkin. I've heard that. Uh, oh, although, well, no, I am excited about it. Although yeah, there I'm is, all in some for that. Form is going to be, you know. Although there is, um, there, there is a character in the trailer um, who looks like he could be playing that role, but it's not been confirmed by any means. It's just a bit of speculation, really, based on his appearance and what kind of uniform he's wearing. Well, Donald Gleeson was sort of that character, wasn't he, in Force Awakens? Yes. Yeah, but he wasn't, he wasn't quite as menacing as he looked like a snivelly little rat boy. <laughs> snivelly yeah. little ginger weasel, he looked like. Mm. And, and whereas Tarkin and Peter Cushing seem quite intimidating, he's got that like really skinny, bony look and like, like quite, you know, you could imagine him being quite nasty. Mm. Like when Mr. does Burns. this open, Steve? Oh, sorry, um, go on. I was going to say, when does it open? December or something. Okay. Well, Owen, you can go Christmas shopping that day. Yeah, I can. Um, I'll get kicked off the podcast again. So we'll, get Chris back. we'll get Chris back. We'll get Chris Dave back. Chris back. He was Dave's good. Back. Chris back. He was really good. You know, you know this podcast. 
would be the one podcast a year where I'm actually any value listening to. <laughs> now yeah, because you didn't shut up on that podcast. That, it was like, in, a, in a good way, but you were talking constantly. I've never heard you speak so often in one 90-minute long audio podcast. Now there's going to be a Star Wars film kind of every year for the next how many years. I'm going to do one good podcast a year, and then the rest <laughs> of you just expect me to be like this. Anyway, um, yeah. On the next bit of, of news on our agenda is that uh, we've also had the second trailer for Suicide Squad admits the news that they are calling people back in for reshoots because uh, well, I think we spoke about this last week. Uh, America, the test audiences don't think it's funny enough or lighthearted. No, 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 no. That's all been kiboshed today. Oh, the director now? put a tweet out and said, "Yeah, they're not doing it for um, comedy value." I think he just said that. <laughs> We love your film. What else do you want to do? You could, we more give, action. Gave them some more, yeah, they gave them some more money to, to, to make it bigger and better, and they've done some more action. And he's, yeah. he's quite, whether that's true or not, you don't know. But yeah, they, the, the, you know, it looked quite comedic yeah. anyway to me. It, look, it looks quite good. It look, I'm quite optimistic about this. More optimistic than I was, than the, than the, well, than Batman versus Superman. It looks like we're going to see a bit of Batman in, in Suicide Squad as well. Mm, possibly. Was it might be tying it into... Like, it looked like Tramp Batman. I couldn't work out if that was supposed to be Batman or not. It looked like Batman yeah. living in a skip. Well, if that is the case, that's good because there's a storyline from Batman. Let me just get my uh, nerd glasses on um, and put my Batman t-shirt on. There's a Batman of Zur NR character. Put, put your Warhammer be... figures away. He literally, <laughs> he literally climbed out of a skip in this ragged clothes. So if that is the guy who's in the film, you know, I'll book my ticket now. Final bit of uh, uh, news on our agenda is that um, there's been the first press screenings of Captain America Civil War, and it's been unbelievably positive so far. Mm. Yeah, lots of positive comments, people talking about how good Spider-Man was in it, in particular. Yeah, and, and, and how much he's in it. Yeah, yeah, surprising event from from what I gather. Mm. Um, I mean, I I said on Twitter this week, I can't get excited about it. I just can't get that bothered about Civil War. And I don't know whether, like, um, I think it actually was Matt Lamborn again who mentioned maybe it's like saturation point because there's one out every other month at the minute. Superhero films in general, not just MCU films, but and it's the fact that they constantly have to link to one another you know we can't even have separate spider-man and mcu films anymore even those that are owned by separate studios are having to work in tandem to create these storylines and it's just like each one is almost like an advert for the next film and then you go and see that and it's an advert for the next film and just getting a bit jaded by I mean, it. It's it's it's, in, it's ambitious in scale with what Marvel have done and what what DC are probably oh, trying absolutely. to do yeah. uh, to try and make this movie universe with so many standalone films that all tie into each other. Certainly ambitious project. And it, it's working <coughs> well. So no, I don't think it's been done at all before, has it? Obviously, you've got long-standing franchises with with films like um, I suppose the biggest ones in terms of volume of films is something like James Bond. Or carry on. Um, <laughs> my problem, my problem with them is at the moment that they've almost fucked themselves because they've brought kind of adult content into the MCU. You've got stuff on you know, like Daredevil, 
And now I'm kind of tuned in and acclimatized to that because that's what I want to see. So when mm-hmm. I have to go back and watch a kid's film, I want to fucking see it. I'm like, no, fuck off. I want to see the other stuff. And they are going to fuck themselves for a lot of people, especially for people like me who are a bit older. When it was just kids' films, that was it. And you, I was quite into, you know, they were right. They were entertaining. But now they've given me a little glimpse of the, there's something else. There's something better. There's something more kind of within my wheelhouse. I don't want to go back to the other stuff. That, that's, does that sound, am I sounding mad or? No, no. That sounds pretty much spot on. I've just gone back to my Twitter as well. Um, and it, I've got a message here from Liam, Liam Pennington, who said uh, there's too many, too often, and too interdependent for these sort of Marvel superhero films. I think that's nail on head, really. Feels like a soap opera, but not like Corrie or uh, more like El Dorado, is what it says. <laughs> Which is probably true. <laughs> it's just the over-the-top zany nature and it's too much, really. Which is odd because you could watch something like Jessica Jones or Daredevil on Netflix. Then they're not quite as interlinked as we might have expected those two shows. There's a little subtle hint at it, but you don't get the feeling yet that they're all building towards something bigger. They're not like these are the setups. These are the origins so that you get to the other thing that's coming. Do you know? It's a... yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's like it's, it's like going into into a, you know a, a fucking beef eater or, or harvester or whatever, and then you've got the kids menu and then you've got the adult menu. And I want to eat off the adult menu. I don't want the kids menu anymore. You don't want f- two fish fingers and a couple I of fries. You want I a steak. I do, and I don't want a dinosaur shaped, you know, chicken thing. Why not? <laughs> With a Jurassic pork, for example. I don't want a Jurassic. Pork. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Time now for what we've been watching, where we won't talk about jizzing in bars at all, and we'll just talk about the films we've seen in the last week. It has to stay in the podcast now. We were just debating whether or not to keep it in, and now it's got to. He knew what he was doing there, Owen. He knew. He knows all about continuity. He's been doing this a long time. He's a wily old dog, is Steve. Where we talk about the films we've seen in the last week or so. Uh, Paul, why don't you start us off? Well, I watched um, a film after watching my new release film, which I didn't realise existed. Um, it's called Keeper of the Lost Causes. Um, now, are you guys big fans of the whole kind of um, Scandinavian noir on TV? I big fans. I've watched um, The Killing and yep. something the else. The Bridge? Uh, no, it wasn't The Bridge. Melanda? No, I can't, it was ages ago. It was a one-off series, I think. Borgen, I, there, there are lots of them, but um, oh, yeah, maybe a bit of Borgen, I think it was. Yeah, I, I'm not a big fan of the of the TV shows because they they typically they go on for like forty hours mm. uh, and they're really slow. But they do do these really good ninety minute um, films, which are almost like TV movies in a way. And Verlander was particularly great um, at doing those, the Swedish version. But then, you know, the English ones, are, again, they were kind of like feature length. Um, and Keeper of the Lost Causes, when I looked it up after watching it, there's a, a, a website all about sort of Nordic drama. And it was rated their, their number one pick. 
It's from 2013. You've got this miserable old bastard of a cop called Carl, who has a bit of a rickets, gets one of his colleagues killed. He's been a proper maverick. And comes back to work and they assign him to Department Q, which is effectively solving cold cases and they stick him in the basement. Uh, he's assigned a really uh, enthusiastic colleague, this guy Assad. Uh, I think he's, he's Syrian. Um, I think they kind of allude in the f- to in the film that him he doesn't really fit in, uh, and that's why they've kind of sort of shoved him up in this department. But he's really keen to be there. He's really enthusiastic. The other guy, right, miserable fucking bastard. And they go through the cold cases and one catches his eye it's about a missing politician she disappeared five years ago she's on a ferry she's with her brain damaged brother and she completely disappears the detective who's in charge of the case puts it down as a suicide but was it and then we kind of get into this whole really amazingly dark gripping brutal Really, really, I can't stress how dark this story is. It's absolutely brilliant. And the, the the two guys are kind of, they go out on a limb. They're doing, you know, there's a lot of cliches here where the boss is moaning at them because they shouldn't be spending this much money. And it, it does feel quite familiar. Um, but, it, and in a way, actually, you can almost feel like a pilot for a TV show. That's what it genuinely feels like. But they ramp up the tension these two guys investigate this case. It's, it's quite procedural and, yeah, absolutely recommended. Really, really good. I was re- it was a real pleasant surprise. But this was the film I saw before the film I'm going to talk about in, uh, in new releases. If you love the kind of Nordic, Scandi, noir stuff and you haven't seen this, it's absolutely a must-see. It was really, really good. A really tight 90 minutes, too, because a lot of these things drag on for hours. Okay. Owen, what have you seen? I have watched a documentary which is called Future Shock, the story of 2000 AD. Paul, I know you really do like your documentaries. Um, have you seen Future Shock? I it have a big hit last year. At yeah, the, uh, I know about it because I just saw the subject matter and I'm not massive into... Um, mm-hmm. but the comics, comics. I like were Whoopi and Wizard and Chip, so... Okay. Is, yeah, way out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, so uh, 2000 AD comics, for those that perhaps don't know, set up in the 70s, very British, and um, kind of like sci-fi comics, a series that they created that's probably the most well-known is Judge Dredd. Um, But they were set up as kind of a social commentary on the the time that they were around. So sort of, uh, like I say, the late 70s through the 80s, they were very satirical, very biting but the documentary kind of goes right back to the heart of that. So it interviews loads and loads of talking heads from people like Pat Mills, who was one of the guys who helped set up uh, 2008 back in the day, as well as different comic book writers and artists. Brian Bolland uh, is interviewed on there. You've got um, people like Andy Diggle, who was one of the editors for a while. Uh, you've got uh, Grant Morrison, is interviewed on there, who's very interesting himself. Uh, just loads of different people. Um, 
Dave Gibson as well. So there's like there's lots and lots of different perspectives of different time periods for 2000 AD, right the way from when it was created through to its current present situation, as well as the kind of downward spiral in the 90s where they got sucked into this horrible PR thing of trying to just make loads of money out of absolute shit, such as the Judge Dredd film with Sylvester Stallone, which they all seemed particularly embarrassed about when they were, when it was mentioned, when it was brought up. Now, it's, I thought it was um, going to be just a pleasant sort of, I don't know, 90-minute, past the time, sort of kind of interesting to know about sort of documentary. I actually thought it was really in-depth. And one of the best things that a documentary can do is make you feel, like, educated and entertained at the same time. And I think it Mm -hmm. definitely does that. It definitely has this, like, even if you weren't interested in um, reading the comics they they write about, you know, the Strontian dog and all the... You know, these kind of science fiction, futuristic kind of things, Dan Dare, all that sort of stuff. If you've got no interest in that, it doesn't matter because the people who talk about it are very engaging. It sounds like it was a just a fantastic time to be part of the British comics industry um, because it just sounds like it was a laugh. It sounds like they all had a huge amount of fun writing these comics, but it also, like I say, educates you. It talks about why they had to set up their own comic book, what the sort of, um, you know, Mary Whitehouse and Thatcher and all that kind of thing, what what that influence had on them when they created it, this rebellious nature um, to the comics. They weren't just trying to sell, like, pictures to kids, you know. There was something more there. And then it also it tracks how that developed over time. So you do feel educated in the whole process of, well, yeah, like I said, the PR stuff in the 90s and the massive mistakes they made there and how they got this reputation as being a lads comic when really they were anything but. It's just, it's a fascinating documentary, fascinating. Absolutely loved it. I do have a bit of an interest in comics anyway, so perhaps, you know, maybe I'm talking out of my ass. Maybe I'm just biased and I found it interesting because I'm interested in the subject matter generally. Um, but even my wife watched it. She thought it was it was a great little documentary as well. I know Brooker watched it last year um, and picked it as his favourite documentary of of uh, of last year as well. In fact, it, it was top of his list when it came to awards time. Um, so yeah, I mean, what greater recommendation can I give it than that? I don't know, but um, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And it's my recommendation this week just to get in ahead of like the final part of the podcast, because it's free to watch on all four at the moment. So if you go to... It used to be four on demand, I think. No, it's all four. If you go to all four... I'm glad you said it was um, accessible for people, because as I said, I'm not... I I did read... I'm not sure if they were 2008 or not, but I did... When they relaunched Dan Dare Mm -hmm. uh, and the Mekon and stuff, I read those from probably... That was probably about 82, 83. Okay. and the, I can't remember what it was called. There was a story in there. It was like a photo story where they had like models and stuff rather than actual hand-drawn about this alien on Earth. And, and I love that storyline. Um, mm. So, yeah, if that gets a mention, I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I'm, I'm curious now. So, cheers. Yeah, I'm... maybe maybe you will like it. I mean, it does definitely cover that period as well. And cool. I know that you like the sort of 80s and 70s as just a general... Yeah, easy on the 70s. I love the 80s. Okay, the 80s, yeah. So it has that in there. It talks about it. And also, you will love Pat Mills. 
who's one of the creators. He's just why? Because he's the sort of character who makes a documentary. Watching. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, he's great. I wish I knew him, and I wish I worked for him. At the same time, I wish I'd never met him in my life, and I wish I hadn't. You know, <laughs> it's just got that kind of vibe to him. He just seems like a really charismatic, energetic, mad British eccentric, but in so a, a good bit way. like Steve then. Kind of the opposite. <laughs> no, of I'm Steve. joking. Yeah, Most exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just charming, isn't it? Oh, no, I love you, Steve. Hey, anyway, you said it earlier. You'll you, you do it once a year, Star Wars. Mm. Anyway, um, I've seen a film called Absolutely Everything, um, starring Simon Pegg and it, it and Monty Python, and it is just bilge. Is it? It's just it boring. It's just I've heard of it. It, it, it came. It, I think it came onto Netflix. So it's only about a year or so old, maybe. And it's have you seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah. It's kind of like that in a, in, a, in a kind of way. So Simon Pegg is this guy who's a bit of a layabout. Uh, he's a nice guy, nothing wrong with him, but he's a bit of a layabout, a bit unambitious and all that kind of stuff. And then some aliens, um, they find... What was that little space shuttle um, thing they sent into space that had like, um, a little message on it from space in case it came into aliens, a little diagram of, of people? Um, Explorer, wasn't it? That's... That might have been it anyway. Uh, or was it Voyager? Oh, yeah, maybe. I was going to say it was Voyager, but... Voyager, anyway, yeah, yeah. anyway, Paul could probably remember that being launched. I can. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a clue, mate. <laughs> anyway. So the one where they um, Clark, so... the man and the woman and the sign yeah. and stuff on it. Yeah. 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 Okay. It was yeah. launched in 77. 1977. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, these aliens, these aliens find uh, this this thing and then discover the human race, um, and they're gonna they're gonna destroy they're gonna destroy Earth. But for that, they've got to see if Earth is worthy of joining some galactic thing, like galactic community. Um, so they give one guy the power to get anything he wants. Um, so they zap down this power and Simon Pegg's character gets his power and he, he doesn't really realise it, but just things coincidence and he realises something and he does it for his own benefit and then does it and he, you know, the moral question of what he should do with these powers. And yeah, it's just it's just bored. Bruce Almighty was alright. Um, I think it had a bit of a bigger, different concept um than this, slightly, but it's just yeah. It's it's kind of like Simon Pegg, if you kept working with um Edgar Wright and and Nick Frost, you you can do some good stuff. When you try and do it on your own, you know it doesn't really work. Mm. And it's just, well, people it's... people liked him a lot in Mission Impossible. Yeah, it's slightly different because it's a big franchise and it's not his work, is it? Like people like his character, him being Scotty in in Star Trek, but it's not his work. It's not his like. Whereas this, absolutely everything, you kind of get the impression it's more his his something that he's created. Um, and it's just, it's not funny. The characters aren't particularly likeable. It's not particularly entertaining. Um, the, you know, it's not particularly engaging. It's not that long, which is a benefit, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's just, it just doesn't work on any level for me. It, it, I'd quite just, like to see just, your um, 
Sorry, sir. I was going to say, I'd quite like to see your Tinder profile fired into space and like <laughs> mastered with six tits and two fannies picks it up. I'd pay to see that. Yeah. Can yeah. I just say, he hasn't actually got um, a writing or producing or directing credit on this film either. He's just in it. Right. Uh, well, he did I, 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 didn't he? Have you seen that? Which one? He did that film where he plays a hitman. Mm, nope, I don't think I've seen that. Simon Pegg played the hitman. Yeah. What was yeah. that? When was that? A long time ago? He no, was in the sweet. film with, uh, what's his name, from David Schwimmer. He was Hang David... on, let me bring it up. He was. Do, uh, do you know who Simon but... Pegg is? You're not confusing yeah. him with someone else. No. It was called. Oh, God, where's it gone? I think it was an Australian film. <laughs> and he was in that rom com as well I watched recently. Which actually Manor. I quite yeah, I quite liked. Yeah, I quite like that. Mm. With um what's the name? Rose Byrne or something? Rosamund uh, Pike, wasn't it? No. Lake Bell, the lovely Lake Bell. Uh. Yeah, he was in he um... three times. Um he okay. plays uh, uh, he's on the front cover and everything. He plays um Hitman. It is quite funny, it is quite violent, but I don't know. It's available on Amazon Video for three quid, so there you go. If you like Simon Pegg, you should definitely watch it. It's, it's all right. It's entertaining enough. But I it's another like one where he's... he's carrying the film. Whenever he carries the film, they ain't great. But, I mean, this film, is, it's got the voice of all of Monty Python lot um, as the aliens, and they're just it's just completely pointless in being there because you kind of recognise the voices, but they're not funny, they're not entertaining. It's got... Uh, it's, I think this was Robin Williams' last film. He was the voice of the dog, and that's not an entertaining thing either. He's not. He doesn't kind of make you laugh or anything in that. It's just Robin Williams' voice in a dog. It's, mm. it's just completely pointless. Just um, a light breezy comedy, or is it? Well, just it's, not... it's, it's it's meant to be a light breezy comedy, but it, it just falls flat on every level. You don't find any of the characters engaging or likable. The plot's not that great. Uh, the it's not funny really in any place. I don't find myself laughing at any of it. Uh, it's just, yeah. Hmm. That's a shame. It is because I like a lot of stuff that he does. Um. But, um never mind. That ex- that that um next Cornetto film hasn't actually been announced yet, has it? They said they were going to stop uh, after the world's end, and then announced they were going to do more. But yeah, as far as I can tell, nothing's happened since then. No, not not heard anything else. I mean, um, I, I liked all three of them a lot. I think the World's End was the weakest of the three, and perhaps a good place to stop, unless <laughs> they can think of a really good idea for another kind of of, of parody. I mean, where do they do they go from what they've done? What they, what could they do next and keep it fresh? Yeah, um, I've just looked on his IMDb, and he's he's in doing the next Spielberg film called Ready Player One. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. That um, could be interesting. Yeah, and then something called The Gathering. Well, I don't know what that is. John Keyes? Don't know who he is. Don't know who any, I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm quite happy to see him. As I said before, he's great when he's a supporting member of the cast. When you ask him to carry a film, he struggles. <laughs> For our first new release, we are going to, or Paul is going to review The Absent Ones. Yeah, we 
touched upon in what we've been watching that I saw the keeper of lost causes, um, which was the origin story to uh, two characters, Carl and Nassad, who are Danish detectives who get sort of lumbered with solving um, cold cases. And I guess the first one was quite successful because the second one um, opened in UK cinemas on Friday and it's called The Absent One. Um, it's a story that's a 20-year-old cold case uh, about two siblings who are murdered. Their father uh, is a, an ex-policeman who confronts Carl to say, why haven't you done anything about my you know, children's murder? I've contacted you. And then he commits suicide, which leads Carl to think, you know, there must be something here. This guy's an ex-cop, something going on. And then it's it's told in in flashbacks and more, uh, and present day, going back twenty years to a boarding school, where these kind of posh hateful kids are, are all boarding. There's there's a group of them you can see are kind of up to no good. Um, it centres on a phone call um, by a girl twenty years ago, which is recorded onto tape, and they listen back in the present day. And they work out who made the call. Uh, and she kind of says, you know, we've killed them, we've killed them. And then the race is on to find this, the person who, who made the call. Once they discover who she is, though, th there's no record that she even exists. Uh, and it's, again, it's really dark. A lot of these Scandinavian things can be quite fluffy, especially, you know, Valanda. But this is brilliantly acted. The, the story's really well plotted. It's violent. It's dark. It's really dirty as well. Um, there's lots of dirty sex things in it, which I know you're not a big fan of, mm -hmm. and very, very twisted. So if this is showing near you, it's really, really well. If you love Nordic Scandinavian drama, even though it, I have to say, it does slightly overstay its welcome, and it is rocking an 18 certificate, but. Yeah, if that's your bag, then you should absolutely get to see this one because it is really good. Better than the uh, other one? <sighs> it's a tricky one. Do you know what? I think I actually preferred the first one just because it's tighter runtime, 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff in here is a little bit... The, it, it, the, the main character is a schoolgirl. And, and she fucks quite a lot of dudes in her school uniform and stuff. And it's a little bit, ooh, really? Ooh. So, yeah. However, if you're a massive raving pervert, I've just sold you, you know, <laughs> your favourite film for the year. <laughs> no, honestly, it, it's really good. And these things are so well made. Um, and I, I, wish, I wish we could do this in the UK. I wish we could make these really decent, hard-hitting, dark, twisted adult dramas that run for 90 minutes. Um, interestingly, the, one of the guys in it, oh God, I'm not going to be able to do his name, but Pilau Asbak. Did you watch um, The Stag on the BBC? Yes. yes. Yeah. You know the Danish guy in it? Yeah. Yeah, he's in this. He's got a oh, massive right. reference. Yeah, he's really good. I love him when he, po he pops up all over the place at the moment. So if you like him, and, you, and you, in fact, if you like The Stag, you'll probably like this as well. It's, it's got... Mm, a little bit like that, but the, without without the comedy, I guess. What did you think of the stag? On the sort of side note, <laughs> um, I, I quite enjoyed it. I would have pref 
the trouble with all these things, why can't we just do what they do in Scandinavia with Valanda and this? And I've seen loads of them make a 90 minute drama, make a make a T almost like a TV movie, which mm-hmm. you can sell internationally. And do you know what? If it's any good, it will be picked up because this film, you know, there can't be many bloody Danish 90 minute of oh, sorry, many Danish two hour crime thrillers that are being showed in cinemas. Mm. You know, the source material is really good. Uh, and um, funnily enough, the third one of these was released in Denmark a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this is actually from 2014. So it's oh, taken right. two right. years to land in UK cinemas. So, uh, yeah, I, if you know, if you like all that kind of Nordic noir, this is going to absolutely float your boat. It's really, really good. And I, the, the guy, the Syrian guy in it, whose name is... Are you ready for this? Fair's Fair. Um, <laughs> That's a good no, name. Really, it's his name's Fair's Fair. But you're, you're genuinely going to love it. Really good. Okay. That's it. Uh, no, Owen, you know. Yeah, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Take a seat. Sit down. <laughs> uh, Owen, you have seen Midnight and I've now blanked. Mid- Midnight uh, Special. Midnight <laughs> Special. That's the one. Um, yeah. Sounds like what I get from the kebab shop after a night out. <laughs> it does, so I suppose. Get the massage parlor after a night out. That's a that's a rub and tug. <laughs> a rub and tug to go with your midnight special, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Both. Um, Can you have you ever eaten a kebab and got a rub and tug? No. How many kebabs would it take to fill a bath? Never mind. Um... <laughs> Top tip: Don't get the chili sauce on your kebab if you're having a rub and tug. <laughs> Just putting that out yeah. there. Right. Right. Sorry. Midnight Special. Midnight Special. It's directed by Jeff Nichols, who also did um, Take Shelter, and he did uh, Shotgun Stories. Both of those were with Michael Shannon. This is also featuring uh, Michael Shannon. He's also done Mud, which I haven't seen with Matthew McConaughey. I think that might possibly be his most um, uh, popular or most well-seen film. But certainly Take Shelter is the one that I think is held up highest in sort of critical standing from 2011 and out of the three that i've seen it's certainly my favorite i certainly prefer take shelter to to midnight special um i'm just not sure why i just can't really pinpoint exactly what take shelter has that midnight special um doesn't because as far as the story is concerned thematically it's quite similar it is kind of similar. There's something that's going to happen on a certain date. You're kind of led down a path with little bits of information drip fed to you here and there about what that might be. All you know is something is going to happen. It creates a sort of sense of foreboding and it runs right the way through. Right the way through to the end of the film, basically. And it's also about family. So you've got Mike, uh, Michael Shannon, who, again, like in Take Shelter and like Shotgun Stories, actually, he's uh, a family member. He's trying to protect his family. Um, it just so happens that in Midnight Special, his family is a son who's been raised by a cult who believes that this kid can um, speak or commune with a higher power. They think he perhaps speaks to God. He speaks in tongues and they just write down the gibberish he says and they use that as scripture. 
Now, what really disappointed me, I guess, with Midnight Special is this um, cult aspect of it is possibly the most interesting angle to view the film from. To see how there's this community of people who are obsessed with what this little boy can do. He kind of beams bright light out of his eyes and it goes into the into the face of these people of the cult and they uh, are in a state of like bliss of content and you know it's kind of like that is that is interesting show me more about how he has affected this cult what what this cult doing to try and get him back because as far as i can work out their tactics to getting back this kid who speaks to god who their whole sort of foundation their basis is is sculpted around is to send two guys after him and that's it really and you don't really get this interaction with the guy who's the head of the cult you don't understand so much about his relationship to it it's just addressed at the beginning it's raised and then it's moving on so, and it could be oh, i mean sorry to talk yeah. i'm getting a little bit confused here so okay it's just so it is sci-fi ish yes. drama but is it all yada 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 and not so much, not so many lasers? Is that what you're saying? There's no um, laser gun. Yeah, I know, but you know, I, you know, it's a figure <laughs> of speech. There's lo- lots of talking and alluding to sci-fi, not a lot of actual sci-fi. So you get a lot of these. No, films. no, no. There is there is a fair amount of sci- science fiction in it to give it its dues, mm. um, but there's not a lot of talking either. Um, and like I was just about to say, because I think perhaps it's trying to mirror the situation that Michael Shannon is in as the father, who's trying to get his son across country. And in doing so, him and his mate, Joel Edgerton, are kind of scurrying about from place to place. They're in their car or in a van for most of the time. They're trying to travel at night. So that actually is reflected in the fact that when you're trying to watch the film, uh, like to see what's going on a lot of it is is hidden it's dark and after a while it got a bit annoying because i kind of felt like well i'm paying to see the film i want to see what's happening on screen i know it's really cheap and immature but that's what i wanted to see i wanted to actually be able to visibly physically see what was going on on screen rather than it be in the dark with just bits of bright light here and there but you know it's supposed to build atmosphere i guess it didn't quite do the same um, in terms of this building of dread, like Take Shelter had. I think a lot of people have compared Midnight Special to being a bit like um, uh, a Shane Carruthers film. You know, the guy who did uh, Primer, and what was the other thing he did quite recently that was a bit... I wasn't really taken with. Upstream Colour. Colour, yeah. I wasn't okay. so keen on that. But that's kind of the feeling that the film is going for. That's the that's the kind of general vibe that it, that it wants to portray. Um, it's interesting you say all sure. this because mm-hmm. the, you know the guy on, from Wiki Shuffle who murders people in his panel van? I don't know which, which one that is. That could is. be any of them. <laughs> I think it's the, uh, is it the, the one who doesn't call himself Shaman even though his name's Shaman? <laughs> Phil Shaman, yeah. Yeah. And he said exactly the same thing. This film was for him, absolutely written for him, but why didn't he get it? Mm. And I think that, it's and that, a lot of people feeling like that. But did you guys have you ever seen Starman, the um, John Carpenter film, 
with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, in it. yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's also a bit like that. It's like that film if it was directed by Shane Carruthers instead of. Uh, um, I seem to remember so how critics did a John Carpenter special where they'd only seen like four John Carpenter films. We skipped a couple of the shit ones from the 2000s. <laughs> I'm joking. We skipped those because nobody's seen those. Or if they have, they've probably regretted the time spent. But um, yeah, so it's kind of a. I would probably compare it to Starman. It's a bit like that. Uh, like I say, Is Adam, I know Adam Driver's in it. Does he play Adam Driver from Girls? Yeah. Bit of a oh, I haven't seen girls, but he's got that kind of weak chinned, sort of quite intelligent but a bit wet sort of guy. Right, Mm. you know. Um, I'm not so sure what I think of Adam Driver either as an actor in the stuff that I've seen him in. Kylo Ren wasn't particularly persuaded by that performance. Um, He was only briefly in Inside Llewyn Davis. Uh, that. He plays Adam Driver in everything I've seen him in so far, and especially you need to. Oh, and just go back and watch a couple of episodes of Girls. You you probably quite like it. You reckon? Tits? Yeah, you'll like it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, it's it. You you do have you have a young lady. You, uh, I, in fact, yeah. I think you might have been married. That's true. Yeah. Then that that's that's the kind of TV show that you can watch with your wife. <laughs> uh, especially, and you're younger than me, right. so you may be able to engage slightly more with that age group. But he's a really annoying cunt in it, and he's a really annoying cunt in everything I've seen him in. But maybe that's just his shtick. That's maybe that's he, you employ him to mm. be that guy. He wasn't an annoying cunt in this. He was just um, he was basically the the intelligent government guy who was tracking them across the country because no, he's got an inkling about that's what's not. Yeah, that's not his character normally. Yeah, okay. Well, either way, I wasn't that impressed with him again. I was very impressed with Michael Shannon, but I I am frequently very impressed with Michael Shannon. I think he's one of my... I I mean, one of those actors I really want to see more of because I've been impressed with everything. Um, Whether he's playing like um, kind of like a villain, if you like, in Man of Steel or Premium Rush or in Take Shelter and Shotgun Stories, he's very good in those yeah i think lots of people like him he was in the the bad lieutenant remake as well which, oh, uh, i love that but i don't remember I, I said to you on twitter i don't know who the fuck he is and i'm looking at his filmography and i'm like mm. I, i've seen loads of them but just don't remember was in them really? i ain't got a clue no but sometimes in, that's um... good you know for an actor I don't, you don't need to remember all of them if i'm looking at watching a film and thinking oh look it's thingy that's not good Mm, yeah, that can have a detrimental effect for sure. But uh, yeah, no, I think he's very good. He's probably the strongest thing about Midnight Special, to be honest. Um, but it is it is very sci-fi. If that's what people want from it, then it definitely delivers that aspect. There's uh, enough there to keep you sort of focused. And it wasn't boring. It was just... Just... Uh, yeah, I mean, the same as Phil. Don't really know exactly what's wrong with it, but it wasn't great. Well, I, it was just shy do you know what put me off? What? I saw the certificate, 12A, and I saw the poster and I thought, oh, is a new kids film out? Yeah, because he's got a kid on the poster and he's got glowing eyes and he's got his little goggles on. and Yeah, stuff. he's got a little comic and a torch and I just didn't... It I looks didn't a bit it. Super 8, right? I mean, that's Yeah, the kind of... yeah. But it's not Super 8. <laughs> it's okay. not, yeah. Okay, um, final review then... Um... For this evening, that is of Hardcore Henry. 
which both of you have seen. Uh, Owen, why don't you just tell people the concept of this one quickly, because it's a bit new. Um... Yeah, so Hardcore Henry is a first-person movie. Now, you know, people will probably be familiar with first-person shooters as a concept for computer games, um, and probably familiar with found footage uh, as a sort of genre or at least a sort of technique that's used within genres of films. This is neither just solely um, found footage. It's not found footage at all. It's all like an implant in this guy's head who's sort of like a Robocop uh, meets Crank sort of film character. Uh, He basically, it's this guy who is resurrected from death. You've got no real idea why. He's got no real memories either. He's told that he's the wife of this doctor who saved him. And uh, suddenly he's pursued by this psychopathic, psychotic, long, blonde-haired, liquid snake-looking shitbag. And uh, it kind of grows from there. It just escalates into these sort of sequences of over-the-top adrenaline fueled, uh, just completely fucking bonkers action scenes, one after the other. A bit like The Raid, in the sense that it's got a very video gamey feel about it, uh, but that could just be because it's got the, you know, first-person perspective, guy going around holding guns in front of the camera, all you can see is his hands as he's shooting bad guys left, right and centre, and he's got unlimited ammo and all that kind of thing. Um it also stars Shalto Copley as Jimmy. And Jimmy is just about a dozen, probably. Probably a, probably a dozen different characters in this film. And Shalto Copley is always great in whatever it is. Now, I kind of like it. I think it is mainly aimed at a specific audience in the same way that a chick flick is aimed at an audience or a Statham movie is aimed at an audience. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I just think it exists and it clearly knows its target audience and doesn't ever try to be anything but pandering to them. And I think it does it particularly well. I know people have disliked it, as we mentioned, Brooker at the start of the show, but Paul, I know you've seen it as well. And like me, I don't think you play these kind of computer games at all, do you? I used to, but not anymore. But yeah, I, I can't Call tell of you, Duty kind of things, you know. Yeah, I loved it. I genuinely, absolutely loved it. I, it was something new. It was something different. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the absolute clincher, um, which you know, I, I'm not seeing anyone else mention, is the soundtrack. It, this is, yes, this is Run, Lola, Run meets The Raid. That's what I've yeah. got in my notes. <coughs> Pounding techno, that... <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And the sound, to be fair, normally I shit on Sydney World and Eastbourne, but it sounded amazing. I genuinely, the first thing I did when I came out the cinema was to Google to see if I could actually buy the soundtrack. And Sony are releasing it on vinyl in the summer, um, both the score and the soundtrack. And this is score I'm interested in. I mean, they've got Queen on the soundtrack. But even that, to be fair, was Perfect. I found that was jarring, actually, the bit with Queen. I didn't think that worked at all. Oh, that was one of the moments I thought, this is a shame. Queen. Mm. <laughs> I just, yeah, I really, really loved it. I, it's, it's been a long time since I, because I love Run, Lola, Run. And I love mm-hmm. The Raid. And I love Crank. And that frenetic energy in those films 
this just kind of ramped that up to 11. And I know Brooker didn't like it. And I, and I kind of get why. But for me, Brooker, I love you, buddy. But he's <laughs> comparing apples and oranges. The, this is, is a film. It's like me complaining about the cutscenes in a video game not being cinematic enough. Although this has similarities to a video, video game, it ain't a video game. And I thought it worked perfectly. Shouto Copley was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought the action was non-stop. The deaths were really invented. The story, even though it was flimsy with the stuff with his wife, there was just enough cohesion there to keep the whole thing together. I, I like the twist at the end. The runtime, it was really tight. I, I, yeah, I loved everything about it. It kept me fully engaged for 90 minutes, and it was bang, 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 and I loved it. Yeah, it was definitely a great concept movie, you know, Yeah. in terms of it was doing something original, something new, and it pulled it off brilliantly, probably better than I was expecting, because um, some, of, some of the action sequences just leave you thinking, well, how do, how do they film that? How was that made, you know? Um, yeah, it was good. What I didn't really like about it so much was half of the time I was looking away from the screen and trying to watch it out the corner of my eye because it really made me feel ill. I felt nauseous, sick, and, you know, I expected to. I knew I would because, you know, even as a kid, I almost vomited playing Doom, not because of the violence, just because it makes me... These kind of things just make me feel so unwell and dizzy. Um, and this is no different to those kind of computer games because I, I just can't cope with it. I can't. I can't cope with it too much. Um, but that's just me being a pussy. But as a concept, yeah, it was really good. It was great. I think um, Brooker's um, main gripe when he was talking about it in his review, uh, and I haven't seen too many people say this. And you know, like I said, I'm not knocking Brooker for having these controversial opinions it's his opinion he's entitled to it and everything and he's backed it up spectacularly well in his review um but i think he felt a bit insulted uh, like the film was kind of mocking gamers as more than it was perhaps paying tribute to the games that it was taking ideas from well, you know even if it was hey everyone's fair game as far as i'm concerned why can't you know if you want to take the mickey out of gamers Go for it. Why not? Hey, everyone else gets the piss taken out of them. We take the piss out of people on this show all the time. You know, you're having a laugh, aren't you? We, we're brutal with everyone. We don't spare anything at anybody. So mm-hmm. gamers are fair. They're fair game. They really are. And I, But I didn't get that from it. So, you know, I, I, just, I just thought it was a really enjoyable switch, switch off, 90 minutes, thumping thumping soundtrack non-stop action the only yeah. do, you, do you know what the only thing i would say as a negative is that i can't actually remember much of it because it's it the plot so... that i can't remember i mean the plot is um almost yeah, non-existent it. through the film anyway isn't it yeah it was there was just enough there with with the wife and the twist and, and i kind of got the things i loved the shouto copley bit where they kind of because at, at first he dies and then he reappears and mm-hmm. and then he dies again and he reappears and everyone in the cinema has been thinking hang on what the what fuck's the going fuck? on here how's this happening <laughs> yeah 
and it takes and i love that they don't spoon feed you they make you wait and wait and wait for an explanation as to why this is happening and he delivers those characters from the you know the posh british general to the to the punk to the the the, the tramp the hippie I thought that was really clever. Very, very inventive. And he mm. he worked for his money on that film, Shalto Copley. I thought he did really well. He was absolutely brilliant. I really do love Shalto Copley, though. It's just a, he is a great character actor, isn't he? Oh, he, he nailed all the accents. The British guy, you know, the, the stiff upper lip kind of British First World War kind of army mm. guy. To the guy in the ghillie suit and all the trees over him. Oh, I, yeah, I, 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 he, he really, really good. And the fact this film's a, it's a Russian film as well. It wasn't set in you know your stand. It wasn't set in LA or London. I loved all that stuff running through the the, the streets of Russia. I, you know, it, it's hard to hate on this film as long as you know what you're walking into. Mm-hmm. And if as I, I, I hate to cut back, but. I love Run Lola Run, and this is probably the and that's one of a kind for me. Have you seen it, Owen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of energy I haven't seen since then, really, apart from maybe the raid. And to have mm. those two in a way combined, I thought was amazing. It's definitely got a huge amount of uh, energy. There's a sort of pulsating feel to to everything that happens throughout it. Which is, I mean, the closest film I would describe it as is Crank. I think I said before, yeah. it's like, it's it, like crank. It's that constant, like, the action in it is over the top. It's absolutely fucking a Russian film for a start. Yeah. It feels like a Russian film. It doesn't feel like an American film. It doesn't feel like a British film. It feels international, um, even though every you know everyone in it talks English, uh, speaks English. It's just so there are some subtitles, and the fact that it was Russian. They they fucking hung on to it being a Russian film. Political correctness out the fucking. Yeah, that was the next point I was going to make. In that you know, in feeling Russian, there's also a little. I mean, more than once, there's like a bit of homophobia in there, which is. I saw. You... I don't. Know, in fact, was it the guy with the panel van from Wikipedia who said this? That uh, he was saying it was homophobic because there was a comment about oh, how gay is that suit or whatever. Uh, there was He's another bit, I think. Was there? I just, I didn't get that at all. There's I something love... where Charlotte Copley's character has to point out, but he is straight, but I am oh. straight, or something. And I thought it was a little bit, I mean, not unexpected for this sort of film. And the people are in the cinema seem to love those little jokes and stuff. And you're right, it's it's deliberately being offensive, oh, I think, as opposed to... As hey, opposed I live my life being deliberately that. provocative, and so to see someone else doing it, I've got nothing but you know, I've got nothing but admiration and can applaud them for it. Mm. Yeah. Would you like to see more films in this style, or do you think this is it? It's been done now. No, so. I don't. <sighs> the trouble is, you've now. Is there anywhere to ramp it up to? I'd quite happily see a sequel, just to see now they've you know because. It's something they could play with. They've got that sandbox there now, and they could probably get creative. Mm-hmm. What they don't want to do is go down the road of the Raid Two, where it gets, you know, where they put a complicated like a three-hour-long dialogue. Yeah. yeah, three hours. No, as a, an eighty was it ninety minutes, ninety-four minutes? Mm. Yeah, that's fine. And I, I, I mean, I'm looking at the score now. One of the tracks is called 
100,000 baseball bats interlude. <laughs> I'm already yeah. sold. <laughs> yeah, I lo- I just like finally, just I really liked the ending. I liked the way it finished. Yeah, like the very final bit of the film. Did you see the... all that coming? I didn't see any of that happening. I yeah, from the moment decided. from the very beginning, I saw that kind of twist coming. But at the, the at the same time, uh, I didn't really care. It was just a lot of fun getting to it, so it was fine. I wasn't that. That concern. Also, um, I really like Tim Roth. <laughs> Tim Roth was good in this little minor cameo sort of role. He's, he's got great. a lot of fucking ground to make up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, also, um, I'm saying, sorry, Steve. Go on. No, that's that's. I mean, that's hardcore Henry. Uh, it seems to be quite divisive. Although you two liked it, I think it's going to be one that splits opinion. All we've got left to do now is our recommendations for the week ahead. I'm going to go for something that's gone to Netflix which is the Ryan Reynolds film from 2010, Buried. Owen? Yeah, I've already um, mentioned mine earlier. It's 2000 AD, uh, or Future Shock, the story of 2000 AD, which is on all four. And it's and, free. You don't have to pay. And, and Paul? Uh, mine's on the uh, Open University channel on the BBC. It's uh, How to Fill a Bath with... No, sorry, no. No, mine's... <laughs> Uh, mine's on iPlayer. Um, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. There are two of my favourite documentaries have rocked up uh, unexpectedly on iPlayer, and that's the great uh, gangster film fraud and the James Randi uh, film, which I don't know why they've done this. In the UK, it's called Exposed, Magicians, mm. Psychics and Frauds, whereas in the US, it's got a great title, which is called An Honest Liar. Both absolutely amazing. Is that also on Netflix as well at the minute? Uh, I think possibly. Oh, it might be, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really confusing because when it appeared, and I was like, what's magicians, it? psychics and frauds? So I, don't, I, I had no interest in watching it, even though I was desperate to see An Honest mm. Liar. And I yeah. didn't kind of draw the connotation between the two. The BBC have really pulled that up. They do it all the time and it's really confusing and, and pointless. To rename them for Storyville. We are, we are global citizens, as far as I'm concerned. You know, keep the bloody name the same. Yeah. Well, that is it for this week's Fail Critics podcast. And next week, me and Owen will be joined by Callum Petch and talking about The Jungle Book. The Failed Critics podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. Yeah, maybe I should just put this like as a warning at the start of the podcast that this week we have some rather extreme, explicit language. But you know what? It actually wasn't before you brought in the the, the, the uh, filling uh, the, with cum. You're blaming me. That was Steve who mentioned filling a bath full of cum. I was the one who just worked in metrics. Yeah, you did, you did the math. <laughs> You did the maths. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, did the maths on filling a bath with cum. What did you do last night, Paul? Well. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Me and my I mates. Just, I just saved Steve 200,000 wanks. That's all I did. <laughs> well, well, no, now I've got a, now I've got a goal. It wasn't a practical experiment. It was definitely a theoretical <laughs> experiment. Now I've, got, now I've got a target. <laughs> uh, What's that's a situation to aim for. <laughs> <laughs>